we are on this interesting journey on the book of Acts. So I'm so thrilled and I don't want to miss it, uh, you know, learning, but at the same time sharing. So <clears throat> last week, I don't know how many of you were here. I read one joke that was very worth repeating. So I'm going to repeat again. Uh, it goes like this. A guy goes to the medical store to get a prescription drugs. And it says like this, sir, please understand to buy an antidepressant pill, you need a proper prescription. Simply showing your marriage certificate and wife's picture is not enough. <laughs> anyway, so if you have not uh, enjoyed my uh, uh, ridiculous humor, there's an option for you today to just give you a beautiful smile. Anyway, do uh, yourself a favor. Take the Bible, lift it above your head, and you say, Lord Jesus, uh, influence me this morning. Uh, Holy Spirit, I'm here to hear your voice, not the voice of Charles, not the voice of a human philosophy, an idea, a good thought but your voice that will set us free and transform us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So uh, the title this morning, you probably will see it on the screen. Uh, enough is enough. Can you look at somebody and say, enough is enough. <laughs> enough is enough. And uh, that's the title this morning. And I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to us from the title because it's a very challenging chapter. If you read Acts chapter 18, we are on the journey of discovering uh, the Bible in, uh, in Acts chapter uh, 18, especially what God is doing in the book of uh, Acts in the lives of apostles. And Acts chapter 17 was kind of a weird chapter. And uh, for those who have not listened to it, I encourage you to watch it online. It's on all the platforms, social media platform. It's on Facebook, YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever platform that you are comfortable with. And uh, you can just uh, uh, watch it. And uh, chapter 17, it, it started off well, but then Paul actually, the sermon that I shared last week was uh, even Paul had it wrong. And if you read, Paul goes to Athens, you see there's an altar for an unknown God. He takes the opportunity knowing that he's well-versed in Greek, well-versed in Hebrew. He knows even to quote how some of the old Greek poets. So he takes that opportunity to address the unknown God. And he said, this unknown God is Jesus. And uh, people liked it. But then he made this stunning statement, which is uh, Jesus that who died, but also resurrected from the dead, people are like mocked and sneered with him at him. And they just actually, you know, didn't want to hear from him at all. You know, so, and they just, uh, he had just two believers gave their life to the Lord. I mean, so it's, it's incredible. Every time Paul preaches, thousands and hundreds of people comes to know the Lord. This time, there's two guys and it's one is Damaris, another one is one, you know, government official. So. Paul actually leaves that city and goes to Corinth. And, and that's um, the end of his second missionary trip. And during in Corinth, he happens to stay there for 18 months. And that 18 months, there was a soul searching. You know, I don't know how, if you are Paul, what you would do, if I would do the same, because, you know, every time you see a massive result, and then here you thought it's going to, it's going to be the 
explosive result of your ministry. But then uh, it went all the way down south. And you're like, man, what's going on? So he did a soul searching and he made a stunning statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. He says, I don't want to do nothing other than you know, knowing Christ. I don't want to preach anything else. So he made it very clear. So that's what Paul has come into. And that's what we will be reading in Acts chapter. So Paul uh, in Acts chapter 18. So the title is Enough is Enough. You probably might have seen uh, that uh, the missionary journey. So we are on the tail end of the second missionary journey. And God willing, next week we will pick it up from the third missionary journey. And you know the timeline I've shared with you. So right now, uh, Paul is actually left Athens and he's went to Corinth. So you can see the map here and uh, where it says number five, uh, and then it's number six, the, 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 the Corinth is here. So from there he goes back to Ephesus and then from there he goes all the way to Jerusalem. He gives a report there. He fly, he, no, he doesn't fly back. I mean, that's the modern missionary do, uh, but he does, he does sail again. So, uh, but we're going to not take a lot of words uh, uh, from this chapter, just 10 verses because that's the end of his first uh, mis second missionary journey. So let's just read this. It's up on the screen. You can uh, follow along with me. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. Uh, I just want to read this and pick up only two verses and highlight because I want to give you a backdrop of where Paul is at. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because the Roman emperor Claudius had issued an edict that all the Jews were to leave Rome. I mean, I pause here for a minute. The, there is a stirring going on. Jews are getting to know the Lord. There's people are left, right, and center getting healed. They are leaving Judaism. They're starting to follow Jesus. But the Pharisees don't like what's happening. So there's a tension going on. That's why Claudius, the, the scholars believe that's one of the reasons probably he told all the Jews to leave Rome. When Paul wanted to see them because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them. They worked together for they were tent makers. That was Paul's profession. So he, he wherever you go, he is, uses that profession to make money, to sustain himself and also the ministry. So he reasoned and debated in the synagogue every Sabbath, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. So Paul operates on his strength. Paul grew up in Gamaliel's under feet. That's equivalent of Harvard, Hale, or Cambridge, or Oxford. You put together, and he was a born Roman citizen. He was uh, studied under the rabbinic law. He grew up with all the, you know, education that every normal Roman or a Jew would envy. So Paul is very affirmed in who he is. So he's moving in his strength. So he's reasoning and debating in the synagogue. And plus, he was the one who was persecuting the Christians. You read that in, in Acts chapter, in the early part of Acts chapter 3 and 4, when Silas and Timothy came down to Macedonia, northern Greece, and they were with Paul in, in the previous chapter. They went through persecution. You, you saw that, you know. Uh, Paul began devoting himself completely to the preaching the word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed. 
But since the Jews kept resisting, that's why I highlighted here, Jews kept resisting and opposing him and blaspheming God, he shook out his robe and said to them, your blood be upon your heads. I am innocent of it. And this is the verse that we will focus on. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. <laughs> so Paul had enough is enough. Like this is, like, man, you guys are suckers. I am not going to put up with you. Your blood is upon your head. I'm moving on. Then he moved on from there and went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, worshipped God, whose, whose house was next door to the synagogue. So he didn't go so far. It's just, you know, changed the doors, I believe. And then Sirspus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul's message, believing and being baptized. So Paul started to see again the fruit of it. One night, this is another verse we will focus on. One night, the Lord said to Paul in a vision, do not be afraid anymore, but go on speaking and don't be silent for I am with you. No one will uh, attack you in order to hurt you because I have many people in the city. So he settled there for a year and six months, teaching them the word of God concerning eternal salvation through faith in Christ. So that's when he pins the letter to the Corinth, the letter to the Thessalonians. You know, it's incredible what Paul has done in that place. It's, it's, it's like a soul searching, but also he could able to realign himself in the call. Now, these three verses we would focus on. It's on the screen. You know, the one was uh, your blood is upon your own nerves. I'm innocent of it. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. And then Lord speaking to Paul, don't be afraid anymore. Go on speaking and don't be silent. So I am with you. No one will attack you. Now, every single person in this world, if you're taking notes, take notes. If you're not taking notes, take notes or take a picture. It'll help you. These are fundamental Christianity 101. Every single person have to ask this three important question. You know, often they have to ask this by everyone who is alive. First one, why am I here? You need to know why am I here? Number two, what's my calling? Number three, what's my life purpose? If Every single person, uh, you know, understands why they are here. They are not here because we are accident of our parents. You know, you know. Sometimes parents they say we never just thought about having this one. Suddenly came, you know. <laughs> so we are not an accident. Why am here? What's my calling and what's my life purpose? If you all here can come to those three conclusions. I am here, I'm my, this is my calling, and this is my life purpose. And if you can nail that in your diary, in your system, and articulate it to your soul, I believe you are more successful than 90% of humanity who lives in this world who have no clue why they live. Okay? And I'll give you how to find out this purpose in life. Okay? Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Look at this verse. It's powerful verse. This is where we will find those three answers to the three questions. Number one, Paul says this in his one verse. I, Paul, a born servant, called to be an apostle, separated, set apart to the gospel of God. Okay. I, Paul, can we say this? 
Uh, repeat this verse. I, Paul, a bond servant, called to be an apostle, separated, set apart to the gospel of God. So in this one liner, you see three answers to this question. Number one is commitment calling. What does that mean? That the calling of commitment calling of Jesus Christ as a believer, we are called to serve Jesus. Why I'm here? I am called to serve Jesus. What is my serving? My first serving to Jesus is worship. Amen. It's not only giving food to the homeless. We don't earn our salvation by, uh, by works. We work because we are affirmed in our salvation, secured in our salvation by the finished work of Jesus. So bond servant is a commitment calling. So wherever you go, your calling will never change. You will continue to be the servant of Jesus. Today, you are a student, but you are a servant of Jesus. Today, you are HOD like Sister Mary, but still you are a servant of Jesus. Tomorrow, you will retire. And But you are still the servant of Jesus. That's your commitment calling, bond servant. That will never change. Some translation uses even stronger word, bond slave. That means there's no way getting out, you know. And then it says, call to be an apostle. Apostle is a carrier calling. Today, you're called to be a doctor, called to be a physiotherapist, called to be a speech therapist like Karishma, called to be, you know, a vocational training uh, educationalist, called to be a teacher, called to be a nurse. This is a calling. That is a carrier calling. Write it down. Your carriers may change, but your commitment doesn't change. Amen. Your carriers may change, but your commitment doesn't change. This is his gift and ministry. So there are times that your life will have different carriers. I mean, 10 years ago, my carrier was an evangelist, traveling evangelist. I would preach and travel almost to uh, 25 to 30 countries every year. So in fact, sometimes every month I'll be in one country preaching the gospel. But that time has shifted to a place where now I invest to a group of people, even though they like me or don't like me, I put up with them and I speak life over them again and again and again. And that's that's why even I'm here in Houston, I didn't put a, you know, uh, yeah, a guest speaker to speak and just carry on because my commitment today, you know, as a carrier is to be there for you to share and equip and 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 see Christ build His kingdom in and through you, and the third one set apart uh, for the gospel of God. What is that? That's your life calling, which is basically it's all your life, even if you are a doctor or not a doctor, speech therapist or not a speech therapist, teacher not teacher, policeman or not a policeman. Your life calling is to build the kingdom of God. Can somebody say hallelujah? Amen. Hello. All the frozen chosen ones, lift up your hands and say hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's, that's the beautiful part. I'm here and my calling and my purpose is I have a commitment calling 
to be a servant of Jesus. I have a career. That's my gifts and ministry. And my life calling is to build his kingdom. So God is the one who calls you and he refines you in his calling. It's true that sometimes the Lord allows these things not only to test us, but to refine our calling and purpose in life. He's the master in choosing and placing people in the nations to build his kingdom. He chose Peter. Can you imagine that? He chose Peter, an uneducated fisherman. You read in the book of Acts, uh, people look at them and say, these men were uneducated, but they have been with Jesus. They are here turning the world upside down. That's the that's how people saw Peter, uneducated fisherman to preach to the Jews. And he chose Paul in a highly educated, decorated Jewish Pharisee officer here to preach to the Gentiles. That's like God mixing up. It's like eating broccoli ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether you like broccoli ice cream. When I mentioned that broccoli and ice cream together, my kids like, you know, they, they, they feel like throwing up, you know, so that's, uh, uh, that's the crazy part of that, you know, so, uh, so he chose Peter, an uneducated fisherman to preach the, uh, to the Jews, and he chose Paul, uh, an highly decorated Jewish Pharisee here to preach to the Gentiles. So why? That's always a question, right? Why? It's the Lord's choice. <laughs> you know, Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles by God's choice. The Lord Jesus declared that he had a specific mission for Paul. In Acts chapter 9 verse 15 says, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. You read again in Galatians 1, 15 and 16, Paul had been set apart from the birth by call by God's grace so that he may preach Christ among the Gentiles. You read again in Romans 11, 13, he he calls himself the apostles to the Gentiles. I am saying all this, especially for you Gentiles. God has appointed me as an apostle to the Gentiles. He stressed that, you know. So Paul's testimony was that in Ephesians 3, 8, it says, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Peter, on the other hand, preached mainly to the Jews. You know, Paul was commissioned to preach to the Gentiles. And Galatians 2.17 says, God has given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. Just he has given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. The reason? The only one thing we know is the sovereign election of God. You know, and I tell you this, this is going to blow your mind. When the Lord called me to go to the nations, I said to the Lord, Lord, I am not qualified they told me that you have to play guitar. I do not play guitar. I play like the Tamil actors when they hold the guitar in the movies, you know, and that's how I play guitar. And I, they said, you have to sing. I am a professional bathroom singer. I make a loud, joyful noise. And Lord, and I am not educated. I am not qualified. There is nothing in me that can attract YWAM youth with a mission because most of them are highly talented musicians. And the Lord said, I need you. And I even said to the Lord, Lord, pick my brother. He's got long hair like A.R. Rahman and he had, he has a beautiful voice. He plays keyboard or drums. He's a multi-talented instrument person. You know, pick that guy, not me. But I heard the Lord said, I need you. 
And look at this verse, 1 Corinthians 1, 27 to 31. It's up in the screen. Read, I will read this with you. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh, circle that word if you have a paper Bible, no flesh shall glory in his presence but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us the wisdom from God righteousness and sanctification redemption that it is as is written he who glorifies circle that word glorifies let him glory in the Lord amen that is exactly what the Lord is doing now I wrote down here some some life principles that's going to help you so are you ready for that? Number one, why God chose Paul? And he said, you know, hey, I'm going to be with you. Don't worry. Don't operate on your strength. Walk with me. I have a unique plan, you know. And it's almost like he has to create allow circumstances that the people are so resistant to the gospel. And Paul has to give up. And he says, enough is enough. I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And then he sees a mighty move of the Lord. Life principle number one, God knows the best. What we know best is not necessarily God's best. That's a powerful statement. That's a loaded statement. Sometimes we think what we know is best is not necessarily God's best. Paul thought, I am studied under the Gamaliel's feet. I have raised myself up. I have dual citizenship. I am an influential person. I can speak different languages. In fact, I have learned the, the literature and the education from the Greeks. So I am more well-versed in address. And I'm a, I, I, have, I am also a devout Pharisee. So I know the 613 laws by heart. I am a zealous Jew. So I can preach. God says, no, I have something else for you. Number two, he does not. And this is the thing. This leads me to number two. He does not and will not share his glory to anyone. My brothers and sisters, if God only chose all the qualified people, you know, and uh, <laughs> this is going to shock you, you know, that means he, he has, why he has to, yeah, he doesn't need to be God. He can just use the talented people to preach the gospel. No, he uses broken vessels, jars of clay, where he uses broken vessels and he puts his treasures and shine for his glory. And that's an amazing thing. You know, I sometimes go before the Lord and say, God, I used to pray this. I don't pray this now. I used to pray, Lord, if imagine one celebrity give their life to the Lord. I would pray like that. Imagine Amitabh Bhajan gives the life to the Lord. Imagine Shah Rukh Khan, you know, this guy who made that movie, Patan, Gatan, all the Thans, you know, he made this movie. And imagine that guy publicly comes and says, Jesus Christ is my savior. Imagine Rajni, they call him Taleva. I don't know what he's Taleva for, but they call him Taleva. They say, okay, imagine, he says, Jesus Christ is my living savior. Imagine. And I say to God, God, imagine one person like that. You will see millions of people. God says, mm -mm, that's not how I work. I don't share my glory to anyone. 
<laughs> Amen. So I think that's a logical prayer, but sometimes God's ways us about logical interpretations. So number three, the kingdom of God is not built by our own strengths, but from our weaknesses, leaning on him on the daily basis. I wrote some example here, you know, for me, fear of flying, I probably, Eunice, the only person knows that, you know, for me, it's 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 a crazy thing, fear of flying, but God, God says, you'll go to every single nation in the world, <laughs> you know, and this trip alone, I have to take more than 20, almost 20 flights I have to take. So, you know, so God's like, <laughs> you're going to get into every single country, you're going to carry on flying, you know, <laughs> and, and then uh, fear of public speaking, that's one of my things, the last thing I want to do is to stand in front of the people and talk and God says okay I'll put you on a stage and and share the good news and and I said to the Lord I'm not good in academics the Lord said write a book and do you know the the book parables has been translated in Spanish in also in Tamil and also in Hindi and and the, there is a book coming up uh, on one minute with Jesus and there is also another book called the, the Holy Spirit that's also be coming up and I'm looking back and says Lord how come but that's the thing he chose us and then and another one I wrote down it's very interesting I said Lord you know not so good looking he said I'll give you a beautiful wife <laughs> you know it's it's that's that one that can be only god people sometimes i i take my wife to visit a country and some of my friends they're like charles tell me the secret how did you get this girl in your life i'm like i don't know you know so no flesh and sh shall glory in his presence he takes the broken vessels to fill it up with his glorious presence Amen. He takes the broken vessels and fill it up with glorious presence. That's called treasures in the jars of clay. Number four, are you taking notes? Put me a thumbs up or something. You know, uh, he qualifies the unqualified. He qualifies the unqualified. That means what? You know, when you say, I am unqualified to do the job, that's when God says, I'm qualifying you. My road is only to yield to his work. Amen. Now, I wrote down here, it's going to go quick. Uh, this is this is where it's, it's going to get interesting. I'm tying this all together. Now, how are we going to apply this verse? Some of you must be thinking like, man, I, I know I can succeed here, but God is leading me in a different direction. God is asking me to do this. I feel like, you know, uh, vulnerable in that area. Paul has to be vulnerable before the Gentiles. He cannot go and quote all the, uh, you know, Jewish sayings. And he, God's like, no, you're not going to operate on your strength. You're going to operate on your weakness. Peter, on the other hand, he could be like, hey, what's up? You know, pizza, fishermen's, I'm going to preach Paul. God is like, you're going to go. You're going to, you know, you're going to uh, behave well with the Jews and you're going to address the gospel there. You know, so so that's that's how God chooses. So I wrote down here a timeline with Jesus. It's up in the screen. Probably you can see it. He calls me. Everybody say he calls me. Amen. Number two, he qualifies me. Calling, qualification. Okay. If he has qualified you, he is, is going to equip you. Okay, How, what is the qualification? The qualification is the blood of Jesus. 
the blood of Jesus. The qualification is the blood of Jesus. And number three, he empowers us. That's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And number five, he commissions us. So that's my timeline with Jesus. What's your timeline with Jesus? He calls me. He called me by name. Not a single person here. God has given you a blank, blanket statement says, you know, anybody in Munjurpet come. Anybody in Panglatan come. No, no. There is an individual calling on your life. And he qualifies everyone. He empowers. He equips and he empowers. And he commissions. Amen. There is go in the word God. There is good news in the word God. You know, there is gospel in the word God. Everything is God, G-O-G-O. -O. So it's God is in the business of commissioning, sending people where you thought you will never be successful. God's like, that's where you will be successful. Where you thought you will never make it. God says, that's where I'll make it, make you shine for my glory. Where you thought you will, you will not be the you know, the most qualified person, God says, my anointing qualifies you. Amen. Now, I wrote down this, this five things, how it happens. First, he, he call, his call reveals me his purpose. Okay. When he calls you and me, he reveals, it reveals me his purpose. Why exist on earth? To worship. His qualification defines who I am. What does that mean? I am sanctified. My story is redeemed. I mean, look at me in the screen. I want to look at you and I want to prophesy over you. Your story is redeemed. Every single, I can't see every one of you in this uh, because, uh, you know, the camera is not positioned properly. But I want to say this to you. Every single person is redeemed. Every single person. Every single person here is redeemed and your story is redeemed. Your past is redeemed. And when you look at your past and you can never look at your past without the blood of Jesus. If you do, you look with condemnation, guilt and shame and no, no hope. But if you look through the lens of the blood of Jesus, I was once lost. But now I'm found. I was dead, but I'm now alive. Come on, church, say hallelujah. So that is how God has set us free. He has revealed me his purpose. That's why I know why I exist on earth to worship him. He qualified, his qualification defines me who I am. So I'm sanctified. My story is redeemed. His equipping tells me that I am original and unique. You know I mean? So everyone has a voice. You are not an echo. You are a voice. Everyone is a unique one. You are unique in your thumbprint, footprint. Even your heartbeat is unique, you know, but it's a unique presence of God that I am not a copycat, but a masterpiece. Number four is empowering seals me with this anointing power. My life is completely hidden in, in, in his life. So what does that mean? That means that is empowering that the, the anointing that falls upon us, that God's ability and power in us to do things that we can never do on our own, that comes upon us, that we are completely, Colossians 1.3 says, we are hidden in Christ. So next time somebody comes and look at Gifta, they can't come touch her. Why? Because Gifta is hidden in Christ. In order to touch Gifta, they have to touch Christ. And that is going to be a big, serious trouble. Do you hear what I'm saying? So that is how it works. And number five is commissioning sends me with authority to the nations. 
Now, people say, what authority I have? I am just a teenage kid. I am just a early 20s. I am just doing my bond here. I am not a big influence in this place. Doesn't matter. David actually brought crackers and cheese to his brothers who were fighting in the battle. Actually, they were not fighting. They were one month bozos because this Goliath guy, they would stand and defame the Israelites and God. So they would hide themselves and they were waiting for some kind of deliverance to happen. So David brought crackers and cheese. In fact, if he was a Tamil fellow, he would have brought idli and kati chutney. Or if he was a Mallu guy, puttu and karla chutney to his brothers, he brought them, you know. And in the midst of that, God's anointing him. And he actually, you know, brought victory to the people. So you may be thinking, I am nobody, Lord. But look. His commissioning sends me with authority to the nations. What he did to me, he can do it in you and through you. Amen. Isn't it beautiful? Are we learning something here? Paul was like that. He came to come to come to a conclusion. Like man, enough is enough. I'm going to move to this direction. I'm going to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And the Lord speaks to him. Don't worry, Paul. I have, I am with you. Nobody will harm you. That doesn't mean there was no harm happened, but nobody took his life out because the hand of the Lord was upon him until the appointed time. So, and God calls him, qualifies him, equips him and empowers him, commissions him. He stays there for one and a half years. He writes the letter, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and then some of the letters to Thessalonica. And, and he plants churches left, right, and center among the Gentiles. He raises up deacons. He raises up elders. He meets you know, couples who are fire for the Lord. And he commissions them. And they go on. If you read this next few verses in the chapter, they go on disciple a guy named Apollo. You know, And he multiplies it. It's tremendous work. But he has to come to conclusion that I am not going to be rigid in my ways. I'm going to yield to the ways of the Lord. Some of you are saying, God, I want you to bless me as long it's in this framework. No. I used to pray this prayer and I still pray this prayer. And I want to teach you that. I used to say, God, and I even say this every week when I start a new week, I say, God, tear our agenda and build your agenda in my life. Tear my agenda. Build your agenda. Pray this prayer. I dare you to pray this prayer. You will see how amazingly, profoundly, you know, miraculously, marvelously God opening doors. You will be like, wow, it's incredible. So uh, let's, let's go through the timeline with Jesus again. He called me. He qualifies me. He equips me. He empowers me. In me, other words, he anoints me, he commissions me. What's my calling does? I know my purpose. What's my purpose to worship him? What is the qualification? I'm sanctified. My story is ready. People say, ah, this girl, this Emmanuel, I know that guy. Yeah, in the hostel day, I saw him. Yeah, I know. I actually know what he did on that hostel day, you know, on the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Yes, my story is redeemed. Amen. Put your hand on your heart and say, my story is redeemed. Come on, church. If you have a heart, heart is usually on the left. Yes, put your hand there and say, my story is redeemed. My story is redeemed. Number three, he's equipping what it does. It it's restores us into the place of original 
<laughs> design, that we are unique. We are not a copycat. We are a masterpiece. Number four is empowering seals me with anointing power that my life is completely hidden in life, in his life. And last but not the least, his commissioning sends me with authority to the nations. That's why Paul and Peter, when they go to the village, people could not imagine this. Like, man, these are uneducated guys. How come they speak with such authority? Even they, the, the, when Jesus opened up their mouth, the people are like, man, he's not like scribes. You know what the scribes do? The scribes quote scriptures. That's it. And they close the word and then they, and the Torah, and then they move on. But Jesus actually didn't quote scriptures. Of course, he did quote scriptures, but he actually lived out the scriptures with such great authority. People are like, man, he's something that he's not just quoting scriptures. He's, he's living his life out. So that's the authority God wants to give. So I want to pray for you before Eunice would come and lead us in communion. I want to pray for you that this will be a reality. I would love to ask you to ask yourself this question. Do you feel like your story is not redeemed? Do you feel like you are like Paul saying, well, I'm trying and trying, but no result. But maybe God is saying, change direction. Go somewhere. <laughs> you know maybe God is saying you know you, you should get out from that circle and the pit of, of, of visiting your past without the blood of Jesus without my blood maybe you feel like you're not anointed so you, don't, you don't feel like you're hidden by Christ you know maybe you don't feel like you're equipped if that's you and you feel like this hey, today I want to you know, what God did in the life of Paul, I want to see it happen. If that's your case, I want you to stand up. I want to pray for you. And I would love to close this time in prayer. You know, you say to God, God, I would love to see the miraculous power that you manifested in the life of Paul. Do it in me, Lord. That's you. Stand up wherever you are. I want to pray for you. Don't wait for another person. This is between you and God. I want to, the reason we ask you to stand, it's a prophetic act. It's not only for the preacher to see who is responding. It's more than that. It's like, I do not. It's a prophetic way of saying, I, I'm, I had enough is enough. Where I am right now, what I am going through right now, enough is enough. I'm not going to put up with that. I need something new, better, greater, brighter, stronger, marvelous. So I'm standing up for that because God's power is going to manifest. If that's you, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you're standing up before Jesus, not before me. You know, I'm a human like you, a fellow servant of Jesus like you. But we're going to trust King Jesus to manifest his glory.